Why don't you just repeat this? Say, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I receive. I receive everything you have for me today. No matter what it looks like. No matter what it looks like. No matter what it sounds like. No matter what it sounds like. I receive. I receive. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I just want to, uh, I'm just going to talk this morning. And uh, I want to, felt like the Lord just put on my heart to touch on two different subjects. You know that, um, and maybe I'll get there tonight, try to say what I'm saying. I've, I have feelings sometimes and need words to put those thoughts or those things in my heart. Uh, you really need God's help sometimes to articulate what you're trying to say. But uh, I've learned walking with the Lord, it, uh, he will open up a subject to you and then keep revisiting that subject over and over again. What I mean revisiting or adding understanding to that truth that he's given you. You know, uh, 20 years ago I read... Uh, out of my little red Bible, the only Bible I had then, you don't really read the Bible when you're backslidden. You just keep it around. Um, but I had this red Bible after I had this uh, life-changing moment with the Lord. And literally, like, the first day I started really reading the Bible, uh, again, after not reading it for years as a kid, but it said, John 14, 12, if you believe... Not only will you do the works that I'm doing, but you will do greater works. And I remember, like, just kind of stopping there and saying, I'm a believer, and so I know that you're right and that everything you say is true. So I'm asking you to make that truth a reality in my life. And I remember starting there, and now years down the line, you get understanding of how to minister that to other people, how it flows, how it operates in different ways, how it can minister through, through words of knowledge or pray for the sick and laying on of hands, all different ways. And, but you, you know, the more you go down that understanding of that truth, you, the more you realize there's so many dimensions to this. And uh, that's why walking with, that's why revelation is so important because it's not, it's not an intellectual construct. It's, it's something that goes deep, deep, deep in your heart. And uh, the reason I say that is because I'm going to talk a little bit uh, today on um, some truths that the Lord just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper in me. I think my life is probably going to be defined by that in many ways. Uh, probably nine years ago, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was on my college campus, and I was walking right from where uh, the dorm where I lived most of the years as an undergrad, and I remember thinking to myself, oh, this is awesome. I'm, I, I know a lot more now. I, I, I know a lot more these days, and, and I can be much more effective and fruitful while I'm on this college campus. And this lady really helped me with, this lady's really gifted in dream interpretation, kind of mystified me a little bit. And she said, well, it's very simple. She said, your whole life, you'll, you'll constantly revisit truths and God will, God will constantly bring you back to certain ideas and concepts in his word about his nature. And I found that to be absolutely true. But I also think for everyone in this room, that, that's why I said last night, it's, it's, uh, it's really important to, to never think that you kind of got the grasp on something. I think that's that's that's." 
part of our challenge in moving into everything that God has for us that we, we kind of, and there's a, a tendency as a human being, I found too, to kind of like how things are. Even, even in places where God is moving, we, we, we know we're going to, you know, you know, sometimes when uh, you're in an atmosphere where, uh, and I love to worship, you know, we, we, we have these worship nights, that's all we do is worship, and, um, but sometimes there's this tendency, like, we're going to, you have to worship at least three hours or whatever it is, and if, and if worship only goes 15 minutes, people are like, why'd you stop the move of God? And you get into teaching or something. Or if you're in a, in, a, in a highly teaching culture where there's a lot of teaching, teach, 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 office of a teacher is very strong, and you, and you worship for more than 30 minutes, some of those people don't know what to do. Because we have a 10, and, and this is, I found this as an athlete as well, but it's also, you, you also find it among the people of God. We often like to be, we often like to focus on what our strength is or what we like. And that's why good coaches will often, when they're, when they're um, coaching you, they don't usually give you a whole lot of time to, uh, they want you, they, a limited amount of time to focus on certain things or for, focus on certain situations and things like that. Why? Because the tendency is if you have 10, 15 minutes that, and, and that's needed sometimes, but is to focus on your strength, to go with what you're good at, instead of focusing on areas that you need upgrades in. And so I found that in my life. I, and, and I've learned, even walking with the, like, this is this example, like, years ago, I remember uh, being at my friend's church, and he, had, he, he was raising money for something. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm getting, like, this sewing thing. And then he's like, give $100. And I remember, like, I had, like, $500 in the bank, $300. I don't know what it was. It wasn't a large amount of money. It was, a, I think, still a college student. He's like, give $100. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, what are you talking Like, no, that's a lot of money. But you see, I've learned that when he's speaking in the present, he's trying to set you up for where he's taking you. And it's completely uncomfortable at the time. Now, I mean, Lord Jesus, spent $100 like sneezing on the way here. So, but back then, because of where you're at in your mindset, you can't even wrap your mind around it. And I still didn't get the whole thing that giving has very little to do with money. So he's trying to, what's, what's he trying to do? He's trying to open up a subject to you that's uncomfortable to you. And here's the other thing, that you think you know something about. I don't know why I'm saying this, but it's, it's just important, you know? And so uh, there's, there's just layers to truth. And that's why I, I, I prefaced as my introduction to just say, uh, I want to just hit a bunch of different Actually, three different things. If you look at uh, Matthew 18, surely I say to you that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I think it's the new century version, almost positive. The translation of that is whatever you allow on the earth, God will allow. Whatever you don't allow, He won't allow. Why? Because he's given you the keys of authority. We emphasized that a, a little bit last night. God is in charge of the earth. He's just not responsible for everything taking place. 
You should have said amen to that, but... You know. <laughs> And then verse 19, which has become a, a really big deal, and I'm still, again, digging into this truth, but it's been a truth that's been extremely highlighted to me. Again, I say to you that if two agree on earth, there's more than two here, right? Two agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done. It will be done. So this is something as a ministry and personally that when God begins to speak to us, give us a promise, ask us to contend for something, there's still certain things that we're contending for that uh, I go to the lady who leads intercession for our ministry. We have a whole group of people who uh, constantly, and I feel their prayers every day, but we, we, try and, we try and all get on this target because it's a given. It's an absolute given. There's no, there's no, well, it might happen. Well, if, you know, there's, there's just, there's no if in there. If two or more agree, and I always encourage married couples to do this. Uh, a friend of mine just got married and he was just discussing, you know, opening up about some things, some challenges they faced. And here's what I told him. I said, uh, it's really, really important to get on the same page with certain things. I know, uh, of course, being single, but you can get some biblical insight here. I've seen married couples struggle for years in the area of finances. And most of the time, you ask a few questions, and what you find out is there's one person there writing the bills, there's one person who cares, the other person, no, no, you take care of that. And I go, hey, if you guys are gonna get on God's page with this, you gotta get into agreement with this. Because when you come into agreement, it's a done deal what God wants to do. And so when, you know, most of you, I know some of you might not be necessarily leading something, but as a, as a, as a core people here, and, and, and here's what I've come to understand as well. Right here, in this room, if you're a leader leading a ministry or whatever responsibility that God has given you, and it goes down to the, to the people in the sound booth, all that, whatever you are is what you will attract to this church. Your church will not rise higher than what you are personally doing in your life right now. Now, of course, that's why you need to progress, but it won't rise above that. that, that I, I see this over and over again. If a leader... Uh, has certain challenges or certain character challenges, he will attract those type of people to his church. Why? Because you attract who you are. You will lead people like you are. And so uh, that's why it's also important to you to, to steward your own life, steward your own life well, deal, deal with the challenges. And, you know, we all have, we're all works in progress. It's just what are you going to do with the challenges that you're facing with the things that God brings to your attention? But it's a done deal, and, but what, what's interesting, what I found is when the number one place is that the enemy tries to work in the people of God because he knows that power of agreement, he knows what it's like when someone agrees with God, he understands that he has no power in a situation as soon as the people of God come together, and, and it's just simply this. It's, you, you, you constantly see it. It's this thing called offense, <laughs> That will stop the power of your ability to agree as a corporate people. Uh, just back up for a moment. I encourage you that if you are um, part of a, a leadership or a ministry, 
I encourage you to strive to do all things well. To not show up, not even on time, but 10 to 15 minutes in advance, because then if anything happens, you're not going to be late. You set the pace for what you want to attract. You know, I have uh, often, most of my afternoons are taken with different types of meetings. And uh, what, I, what I try and strive to do, certainly haven't arrived, but I, I also communicate even if I'm going to be five minutes late. I try to start meetings five minutes early with my assistant so she knows not only do I value her time, but I value my time. And then there's people like, you know, sometimes they're 45 minutes late, and I get it, but I'm not changing my schedule because you weren't organized. That's a different subject. That's quiet when you say stuff like that. (laughs) Well, they really need to meet with you. I know, they should have been on time. (laughs) Because if I meet with them, I can't meet with somebody else who's already given me their time. I encourage you, even, even if you're not working in ministry that day. Be here. Be a part of what God's doing. Be a contributor to the culture. Be, be someone who builds into the excellence of the culture. I'm a firm believer that it's, uh, e- even working with them, some things through our ministry, is I, I emphasize doing the smallest things well because I, b- I believe it builds into the overall culture of where we're trying to go. I mean, that goes down to spelling errors, this and that. I'm not talking about perfection. We all make mistakes. But to make a deliberate, conscious effort to do things well. Because it's that agreement. You know, my agreement is when when I'm ministering at a weekend like this, I'm going to show up, I'm going to give 100% of me and 100% of God, and I'm going to do my best. I don't care if there's five people, ten people. I'm just going to give my all. Why? Because I'm also working on something. And I know where God's taking me. But if I don't steward today, I'm not going to position myself to, that, to, to do that well either. And plus, I don't work for you. I work for God. It's true. If I do things based on size of the crowd, I'm a very small person. So, there's that power of corporate agreement. That's why it's good to grab those prophetic words, grab those prayer points. We, we have prayer points in our ministry. Every day we pray for different things and we come into agreement. Because, and there's many times that I know that even though I haven't seen it manifested, we've broken through and we've, we got it. We got what we need. We got what we need. We've done it. I remember last year entering to the conference we did, which probably the bigger, bigger thing, biggest faith walk we ever did, I, I told my lead intercessor sometime, I think in November, I said, we got it. It's a done deal. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know we broke through. Because I know. I know in whom I have believed it. So you got this power of agreement that really, really important that you all come on the same page. And, and I encourage you, I'm sure you've done it, read whatever the vision of this community is. And if you can't come into full agreement, then maybe you might not need to be a leader. Why? Because you buy all the way in. It doesn't mean you agree with every little thing done. You know, that's weird. That's cultish. But you can say, this is where God has called me, and I can fully embrace this with my whole heart. 
Because if you can't fully embrace it with your whole heart, then that little place in your heart holds back that power of where God wants to take the community. Uh, heard this story, and uh, it really spoke to me about this. And this is, uh, just was a good lesson to me over and over again about guarding your heart, project, you know, because your, your, your heart projects where you're going. Years ago, uh, Young Cho went to a church in the Northwest, a very large church. And after he finished ministering, he said to the pastor, he said, how many doctors do you have in your church? And the guy thought, it's a large church. He said, no, I don't have any doctors. And Young Cho said to him, well, it's your fault. <laughs> you know, pretty plain there. And he thought to himself, why is it my fault? He goes, it's your fault because somewhere in your heart you've judged doctors and you think the best way or the only way for people to get healed is just through faith and healing and the word of God. And so if a doctor comes to your church, they know. You might not ever say it with with words, you know. Most of us are not that unintelligent to say it. Maybe that's why we like Donald Trump a little. He just says, even though it's, you know, might not agree with it, you know exactly what he's thinking. He's a little bit of Tweety Bird. <laughs> tweet, tweet, tweet. Thank God. I mean, imagine if he was on Facebook. <laughs> Twitter, he's only got 140 characters to say his crazy stuff. Anyway, that's, I thought that's funny. Mm-hmm. Does he post the same thing he posts on Twitter? On Facebook? Well, he's got, he starts with Twitter, you know. Anyway. So whether, Pete, whether you recognize it or not, we are, we are spiritual people. And what's in our heart is the, the environment that's created around us. So the man repented and doctors started coming to his church. Power of agreement, power of what's in your heart. But uh, so that's one truth that's really important that I just want to touch on this morning, just the power of coming together. And even, even just with my friends, you know, sometimes even, you know, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't want them to tolerate my, uh, my needing to be spanked, and I don't tolerate them coming into agreement with their little pity parties. Oh, it's just not working out. I said, if you want me to come into agreement with that, no, no, no. I said, let's break that. Let's repent for that, and let's come into agreement with where God's taking you. So you got that, and then one of the things that will stop that is, is just simply just the, the power of offense. And the enemy is so subtle. Now, we all know that we have to forgive, right? <laughs> it's, it's like not a choice. Like, I, I've, that's one thing I've really learned with the Lord. My opinion no longer mattered. <laughs> and we know that if we have an issue with somebody, if whatever, family issue, work issue, you have to forgive. Now, we know that when you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean what they did to you is right. You know, you, you're, you're at some point along the line, it's, it, I, I say it's okay to be mad at or to be offended for a moment at injustice. You know, Pastor, thank God he's, you know, he likes me, but if he ever said something like, I don't, terrible, you did this, 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 it might hurt you, you could be offended. That's the other thing. For some reason, people don't like to admit that they're offended. It's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. You know, they're not, they haven't talked to you in three weeks. You used to talk to them every day. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. 
I just admit I'm offended, but it's what we choose to do with the offense and the hurt. So we know that, but I've also found that there's this uh, little fox. Look at uh, Matthew, uh, excuse me, Luke 17, where Jesus actually says this. I didn't mean to go all this long, but ah, whatever. Luke 17, verse 1. Then Jesus said to his disciples, it's impossible that no offense should come, but woe to him in whom they do come. It would be better for him, if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, that he should offend one of these little ones. And of course, he goes into this thing about children, but he says, offenses will come. So we kind of know, I always call them like, the obvious, you have to forgive that person, you have to forgive the pastor, you have to forgive the spouse, you have to forgive, we know we gotta forgive those people. Hopefully you know that. But then I've learned that one of the things, especially among leaders or among people trying to go somewhere is these places in our heart, and here's what the enemy loves to do. He loves for you to build a case against somebody by unsaid things. oh, Pastor Kim used me on the worship team last week and she hasn't asked me in six weeks or I sang a solo. You know, she doesn't like me. And he likes to build that case against the person and you have this inner dialogue going on that I've learned that you have to cast down very quickly. It's, it's, it's most of the time when we, and what he likes to do is he likes for us to judge people's motives. And a lot of times when we're judging people's motives, it's out of our own trauma and rejection. We maybe experienced trauma as a kid or rejection as a kid. And so whatever, the pastor walks past us on a Sunday and because that trauma has been, hasn't been healed, we automatically internalize it and go, the leader doesn't like me. Well, he said hi to everyone else. What is that? You're building a case because he loves to build a case because he knows if that little thing can open up in your heart, your heart is now guarded from receiving from that person. This summer, I just went through a period where I just really had to go deep in my heart certain things and I hadn't even realized I was upset or I was offended with certain people because it's just these little, little lies came in that, I received. And it's really kind of helped upgrade the guarding of my heart to guard my heart from those things. And as soon as God exposes that you need to forgive somebody, you must deal with it quickly, 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 quickly. Because here's what happens. God is really gracious. He will identify something to you. He will identify something to you. He will identify something to you. And then... If you keep letting that thing in your heart, the enemy will begin to put that root of bitterness and then it begins to affect your mind and your heart. I've seen people where I've come to them or I go, hey, you need to really deal with this. You need to forgive your mom or your dad or whatever. Oh, no, 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 no. Months go by, weeks go by, and that sweet person now becomes polluted, not just in that area, 
but in every area. And they're, they're, they are distorted. Their mind is distorted because you open, your, you open the door for the enemy to literally have legal access over your mind. I've seen people on a wonderful path in the purposes of God. They don't deal with issues of unforgiveness, issues with other leaders. And down the line, they've rejected anyone who will speak into their life. And they're totally live in a world of deception and delusion. Why? Because that, root, that, that place that started as unforgiveness has now become a place where it's totally polluted the way they relate to God and the way they think. So I just tell people, like, like you think, yeah, just a little area, you know, like I'll deal with it eventually. He comes in the back door and he'll knock down your whole house before the whole thing's over. And he has legal access to do it. Let's go back to Matthew 18. It's really interesting how he puts this. After he tells us the power of agreement there, it says this, then Peter said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to, seven, up to seven times, and Jesus said, I do not say to you, up to seven times, but to 70 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle his accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, but he was not able to pay. His master commanded that it be sold with his wife and his children, all that he had, and the payment be made. And the servant, therefore, fell down before his master, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you. The master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave his debt. Then, of course, we go down, you know, we, the rest of the story is basically the servant has other people who owe him, and he refuses to forgive him. Jesus is illustrating what life is life in the kingdom when you've been forgiven much, yet refuse to forgive others. Actually, let's read the end of it. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his servant fell down at his feet and begged him, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison so he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servant saw that he had been done, they were very grieved and came and told his master all that he had done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged, should you, not, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him up to the tortures until he should pay all that was due. So my heavenly father will also do to each of you from his heart who does not forgive his brother his trespass. So obviously some strong language if you choose not to forgive. Right before he talks about agreement, he also talks about what you do when a brother sins against you. Moreover, if a brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. You and him alone. That means if you have an issue with somebody else, especially someone else in the body of Christ, you don't put it on Facebook. <laughs> no, you don't put it on Facebook, but 
and I, and, I, and, I, and I believe that there's a place where you can talk through something, work with, through something, but there really is a fine line between discussing something, processing something, and going, hey, um, you know, Pastor Russell really offended me the other day, and uh, he's been doing it quite a bit, and um, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I haven't talked to him about it, but I'm talking to you about it. And if you're not as mature, you're not as developed as guarding your heart, what's happened? The enemy, the enemy, exactly. Now he has to guard his heart because you've opened up about your offense, which might be legitimate, but that's not how you deal with it. You go over to him and you go, hey, you don't talk to 10 people. You can talk to your spouse about it, but you don't go to 10 people going, Here's another thing. You don't talk through other people. See that a lot in church. What is that? You know, Pastor Kim really offended me Wednesday night. I was supposed to pray, and she forgot that I didn't pray at the end. I know you're close to Pastor Kim, so. I've never talked to her about it. What am I doing? I'm hoping maybe she might bring it up to her. Then what happens? You involve other people. And of course, she tells Pastor Kim, now what do you have going on? Drama. If he hears you, you have gained a brother, but if he will not hear you, you take take with you one or more two that the, by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established and here's another thing I know just even as leaders a lot of leaders want to bring you into their issues with somebody else I have an issue with this and they tell you different things I said have you talked to we had something come up last year with the circle of people I work with and, and one guy was all fired up and he was saying this I said go talk to him I'm not saying you're wrong I Go talk to him. Don't talk to me about this. I know what's going on. You go talk to him. Oh, he won't listen to me. I said, no, you just, you're just a wimp. Because <laughs> Scripture says, and sometimes what I find, why a lot of times people don't want to deal with certain things is because they just want to hold on to the thing. <laughs> they don't actually want to deal with the problem. And often what you find out when you begin to dialogue about the problem, we've often made assumptions about the situation or we have interpreted things that person has said in a certain way that's made it a whole lot more negative and you realize that person never intended to articulate something, communicate something to. This is another part that we should talk about. Communication is a key thing. For me, people I work with, especially my assistant, closest person to me, we don't deal with, with challenging things through text. We pick up the phone or we talk in person. Why? Because so many things can be mis misunderstood through text, through email. I know sometimes you have to document things through email, legally, things like that, but we don't deal with things like that because we're believers. And sometimes you get a text, man, what do they mean by that? Well, that sounded kind of harsh. We try and avoid any of these little 
doors that the enemy uses for things. Excuse me? That's right. You can't read somebody's mind. Again, you cannot read somebody's motives. So that's why part of that, part of this is healthy. Because what I do when I work with people or I work with people around me, they do something like, oh, that doesn't seem right. I say to them, hey, when you did this, it made me think this was your motive, and that's not good, but tell me what's going on. Oh, no, no, I, I just... But what happened? The enemy right away wants me to assume the motive that they have for doing something. So I always encourage just people in general, learn to be a good communicator. And just because, here's another thing I've learned, just because you've told something to somebody, it doesn't mean they've understood what you're trying to communicate to them. He said that again, just because you've told something to somebody doesn't mean they understand what you're trying to communicate to them. Really big in, in ministry because you can, or you're leading a ministry, leading a trip, leading, you know, maybe you're going on a trip to conference or something as a church, and you communicate. I've seen it happen over again. You can say it 30 times. We are leaving the church at 5 o'clock. If you come at 5.05, I'm leaving you. You've said it 10 times. And they text you that day at 440, what time are we leaving? <laughs> so often, one of the things I've learned to ask, because I used to get frustrated and I realized I said something, but they didn't understand. And some of it, I learned, is my fault. Because I didn't say things. I was having a meeting the other day with husband and wife team. And she said, don't worry, I'll explain to him after the meeting. Because he kept, I go, I don't know why he doesn't understand this. I've said this six times. And I've, it's all been in English. It hasn't been in tongues. <laughs> so we have to learn, this is really important. Because you can say, you can articulate certain things in the ministry you're leading, how you pray for people, even the simplest things. You can say things, but they might not interpret that based upon any life experience, any difficult they've had, any understanding of Scripture. You, you can say things, and they don't really understand what you're saying. And you can say it in a very plain language. Now, at some point, they have to take responsibility, but it's also your responsibility as a leader to make sure they understand what you're saying. Communication. Now, here, here's, here's where this, this really speaks to me. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church, but he refuses even to hear the church, let him to be you like a heathen and a tax collector. So that one's the, the big one right there. That he actually says, if you don't deal with the challenges, relational offense, or whatever other stuff, that if you're not willing to deal with it, you're not willing to be corrected. And this is what this this is this is uh, this is where really becoming a leader. This is where the wubba meets the road. Because I love people, I do anything I can do to help them, and if we're working together. But if you're not willing to deal with this, the Bible actually says I'm supposed to treat you like an unbeliever. So I go, I'm sorry, 
you can't be in this position anymore. That's where you find out how bold you are. Because sometimes people don't like you. But that's what the Bible says. Why? Because I can't afford this person to be in a place of authority and influence or representing me that is acting like an unbeliever. Because there is a standard that God has in Scripture. We're not looking for everyone to have everything perfect, but we're looking for people who are willing to walk that out the purpose of God. The offense thing is also really big if you want, if you want to be, if you, you really want to be a part of a community of God. I'm convinced that one of the reasons that God puts us in a community is because we will work with people, we will pour out our heart into people, we'll do everything we can do to help them, and then they will make certain choices that hurt us, that affect us, that affect the ministry, and then we can only at that point do I identify with some of what Jesus walked with on the earth. But he still loved people, he still chose to be unoffended, and he still chose to keep going. But what the enemy loves is, I've poured my heart into this person, you know, they didn't even know how to tie their shoe when they came to my church. Now they know how to tie their shoe, they're doing well, they got a ministry, they're prospering, and I, you know, I let them sing on Sunday morning. They would suck when they started, but they started doing good. And then they go, you, I'm out, or whatever it is, or say things about you, and whatever it is. And then you have a choice to make. You get to practice the fruits of the Spirit. And you get to practice being like him in every way. I'm telling you, it really does take a bold person and a person who, who's willing to lay their rights down to be a leader and to walk out the purpose of God. But I did, I know. Welcome to how Jesus often felt. I gave, you know, they couldn't even pay their rent. When they came. We paid their rent for three months. Now they're saying all kinds of things about us. I know. People make bad choices. And what the enemy wants us to do is, I'll never make vows. I'll never help somebody like that. I'll never open myself. Now you do have to be discerning. I, I'm not a spiritual nudist. What does that mean? I don't tell everyone my deepest, darkest secrets. Some people don't need to know. And some people I don't want to tell. I'm a private person in a lot of ways. But there's a difference between being discerning and having unhealthy vows when it comes to relating to people. And you really, you really don't really know what needs to be developed until you're put in the context of a community. Like, if you live on a mountain, you know, you're, you're praying all day, which, you know, some people are called to do, and you're never working with people, you really don't know what's inside of you. Like, I love people. You, you know, too, for me personally, I never had trouble loving down and out people. I didn't. Years ago, I preached and ministered in a church of all lepers. 
Loved it. Monkeys walking by. I told them, I said, you're valuable. Don't let the society define who you are. They had no problem. Had a lot of compassion, loved them, hugged them. You know, no problem. I'm not dying. You have leprosy. It's not touching me. I can hug you. I can kiss you. What I've always had trouble with is the very interesting people in the body of Christ who have lots of opinions, who get mad when you talk about certain things, who are always critical. They're usually at every church event, too. That's the ones that I had to learn how to work with. I remember once years ago, I was on staff at a church, and one of the board members said, I bet you ain't never had a real job in your whole life. I thought I'd been delivered of certain things, but it just started (laughs) Tabasco sauce (laughs) coming up my leg. (laughs) Realized that I need a little more healing. I hadn't cursed in years, but I thought about cursing in that moment. Can I share a story? Yeah, of course. It's your group. Well, I just, it's relative to what you're saying. I'm fully convinced that if you choose to follow Christ and you want to be used of him in his kingdom, Offense will knock at your door frequently. That's right. Okay? Sure. I mean frequently. And, and, and you keep humbling yourself, and you keep humbling yourself, and you keep humbling yourself, and you really think, I'm really humble now. I will, I will, uh, I can, I won't be, I'm, not, I'm unoffendable. You know, you think you've reached the place now. I can't be offended now. I've, I've just laid my life down. I'm crucified with Christ. And, and then someone very close to you very dear to your heart, involved in the very ministry that you're involved with, says something or does something that cuts deep, cuts very deep. And I'm going to give you an an example. I'm going to be careful, but I'm going to give you an example. I'm not going to call names. I'm, I'm just going to tell you that as God was developing me to answer this call, and I was given opportunity to have influence over a group of people, um, and we were meeting at that time just monthly. And every time we came together, the presence of God, the power of God, the glory of God, healings. I mean, it was amazing. It was like God was just birthing this and just knew this was going to be God's plan. And, and in the pinnacle of that, what looked like it was, it was fixing to give birth, whew, I was cut out, completely out. Okay, I don't mean um, we'd like you to take a break. We'd like you to take a sabbatical. We'd like, we'd like to remove you from this leadership position. And, and all I was guilty of was loving the people and loving Jesus. And my heart was pure before God. But what got, what got communicated to those who had authority and power and position was that my motives were not pure. My heart was defiled, that I had a, a, my own agenda, and I was doing 
I wanted to do things my way. And, and, and because I was hearing from my God and my God was not saying the same thing that their God was saying. So he must be out of order and I was called out of order. <laughs> I felt the, in the heart, it's like, mm-hmm. I'm really not, I'm not even close to guilty. I'm not even a hint of guilt on me for, with this accusation. And, um, but I was removed. Out. Sit down. And I was told, we understand you have a call of God on your life, and we recognize that call on your life, and we release you to go do that call somewhere else. When I was called and put in a place and in a house that I had committed to, and my flesh said, well, you've been released. I mean, you've been released by the leadership. You've been released. You can go now. But But the Holy Spirit inside me said, I've not released you. So what happens when the Holy Spirit says contrary to man's opinion? You submit to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And you say, okay, Holy Spirit, then what do I do? You sit down. You sit down willfully, and you sit down with the right spirit, and with the right attitude, and you pray for those that are over you in the Lord, and you don't look like you've been wounded and beat and and. Why so downcast, oh, my soul? Put your hope in God and trust God. Mm-hmm. At the pinnacle of the call of my life, the enemy whoosh, tried to cut it out, tried to stop it. If he did it to me, he'll do it to you. He has done it to you. He will continue to do that as long as he has opportunity to cause offense. When offense comes, just as Abner says, it's what? It's your choice. What do you do with it? I could have, I could have rolled up my sleeves and, and took my keys and said, thank you very much. I know I'm not wanted here. I know I'm not needed here. You've said it very plainly. I can go do my ministry somewhere else. But the Holy Spirit said, I put you here. And, and so by submitting to that and yielding myself to that, humbling myself to that, telling the leadership, I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here because this is where God planted me until he tells me otherwise. Tell me what I need to do to serve. Tell me where we're going to meet. I will honor whoever you put in leadership. I will submit to them. I will have the right heart and the right attitude. And by doing that and humbling myself, it got up to top leadership. And when the time came for exaltation, we, got, we were lifted up and exalted in front of a whole congregation of people um, that I could have walked away from, that I had the right, and I was given the word to leave. But the Holy Spirit didn't tell me to leave. Amen. Some of you have already been there. You've done that even here in this house. So you that have been there and done that, you need to understand and encourage those around you when you hear that word of offense and they bring it to you, you know, well, he, do you know he, do you know she, Wait, let's, let's pray about that. Let's just go to God. Let's just surrender this to God and keep mm-hmm. unity in the body. Let's keep unity in the body. Mm-hmm. Unity is the most critical component of a church. It is the most critical component of the church because if he can get into and, and dismember our unity, a house divided cannot, it can't stand. And so... 
Yeah, guard unity with everything within you and, and be willing to submit and, and yield yourself when the offense comes. Just, you know, don't get pitiful. You know, I could have gotten real pitiful. I could have gotten really pitiful. Like, all I've done, I've paid my tithes. All I've done, I've, I've gone, I've driven an hour for, for five years. I've done this. I've, I could have gone through the whole list of all my sacrifices and all the good things I've done, but the Lord said, just yield. And, and let me be your defense. Let, let me be the one who guards you and guides you, protects you. And he will. Mm -hmm. He will. And in due season, mm -hmm. uh, you'll be uh, put in the exalted position that God wants you to be in. And it'll be the hand of God doing it. And it'll be miraculous. And all, you won't even remember the pain. You, you won't even remember the pain of offense. It'll be like removed completely. And you'll be able to love those who offended you even. I mean, love them. I mean, really love them and pray for them and, and encourage them. Yeah, thank you, Abner. And whew, it's a powerful word to forgive and to walk in forgiveness, to stay in forgiveness. And I, I certainly encourage you and everyone that is associated with this house to do that. And you're good at it. I know. I, I know some of you have been hurt already. I know. I know. I know you carried it and then you let it go and you forgive it and you get on and you move on. And, and that's beautiful. And that's what establishes the work of God. It keeps laying the right foundation. We keep laying the right foundation. After a while, that foundation is so strong, it's not shakable. And we become unoffendable like Jesus. Jesus is hanging on a cross. He's been beat. He's been crucified. He's, he's, they hated him. And he's looking down at the very ones and says, Father, forgive them for they don't even know. They don't understand. They can't comprehend what they've done because what they've done to me, they've done to you. Mm -hmm. And so he's asking God to forgive them who's slicing and dicing him. That's the mark of Jesus. That's where we have to stay. That's where we have to go. Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, one thing that helps me with this perspective is no one owes me anything. There you go. And we really get down to the nitty-gritty sometimes is, did I do that so they would be nice to me and my friend, or did I do it because God called me to do it? Um, just one final story I'll add real quick. A uh, number of years ago, over probably about 15, 16 years ago, I was in um, graduate school and had gotten this job and really kind of like this valued position. I wasn't really interested in, in it. People from around the country wanted it and they just offered it to me. And uh, within, very quickly, within I don't know, a week and a half, I realized it was going to be a very challenging work environment. And I remember uh, the little house I was living in, I had got, it was like a Friday, I believe, or Thursday, and I got home. I said, God, I don't need to take this. This is, and, and really, if you, if, you know, you want to, like, human resources or whatever, it really was an abusive situation, you know, just looking at it like that. But I remember saying, God, I don't need to take this. This is wrong. You know, I got a cause. I got a you know, and I always remember what the Lord spoke to me. It felt like it came from like my right ear, it was so clear, almost like the audible voice of God. I don't think it was, but it was just so clear. 
And he said, that's right, you don't need to take this. But if you don't stay in this job, I can't do what I want to do in your heart. And um, long story there, but, you know, even though I heard that from the Lord, I, I was looking for advisors to tell me I should leave. <laughs> went, to, went to two different pastors. You know, the first one's like, I, I don't know, I know that's really bad, but I just, I don't know why. I just think you need to stick around. Yeah, big church, you go to another pastor to tell you what you want to hear. The other pastor says the same thing. Then I went to my dad because surely he wouldn't want his precious son to be abused like this. And he said, you know, Abner, sometimes in life we have to stay in difficult situations and learn to be able to work in those situations. So I stayed there a year and a half. I finished my degree early. I'm not a dumb man. He said, you can stay. You know, I just stayed till my degree was done. So... I finished it, it was not easy. And I literally almost cried the last day. It was that hard working in that environment. And um, less than six months later, I started my first full-time job in ministry. And the first full-time job I had in ministry was about three times as hard as the job I had in graduate school. And if I hadn't stayed in the first job, I probably would never have survived as long as I did and I left when God told me to. And I don't think if I had stayed in my first ministry position as long as God wanted me to, I don't think I would be as effective as I am now because even though it was challenging, I learned a lot of things that I need to learn. So I always tell people, obey the Holy Spirit. Last one, last verse and then pray here. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Pursue peace with all people. Pursue peace with all people. Are you a person who pursues peace with all people? I really try and dig into that one. If I, if I feel something, sometimes I don't do it right away, but if I think somebody's offended with me or whatever, or they backed away, I, I, I try and bring it to their attention. Hey, is there something going on here? Now, I can't do anything if I can't do anything if you're going to do that, but I've done my part, and I release you, and I bless you. But are you a per, per, person who pursues, pursues peace with all people, without which no one will see the Lord? And then here's verse 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, and uh, and listen, he, he, he lists, the, the writer of Hebrews lists this in two places. Least anyone falls short of the God, and least any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this, many have become defiled. Just the other side of that, sometimes what I've seen in the body of Christ or among believers is someone has a root of bitterness upon the inside of them or they have an angst against someone in the church or a particular leader or the senior leader. And because that thing is a thing that never gets satisfied, part of their disgruntledness manifests in saying something to other people, to are involved in the ministry or involved in the community. And 
maybe the first 10 times you hear, you go, no, that's not true. That, I, I know that person. I know that's not true about that person. But about the 50th time you listen to that, that thing starts working on you. So I just say, be very, very careful to accusations you hear against leaders. Leaders and other people in general. Because then that thing starts working on you and that defilement that is on that person tries to get upon you. So I just talked this morning. You receive this word? Amen. If you do, let's just lift your hands. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We submit ourselves, body, soul, and spirit this morning completely to you. And Holy Spirit, you're the spirit of truth. So I'm asking, Lord, would you reveal to us if there's any person, any church, any ministry, any organization, any company, any political leader, where we've been offended and we need to forgive. Just right where you are, just in your own words, just say, Lord, is there anyone I need to forgive? If there's anyone I'm offended. It might not even be somebody you actually know. You just get offended because they're a public person and you don't like their stance on certain things. Sometimes God will bring up somebody way from your past. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes it was even a kid on the playground. And you're an adult. Sometimes it's something your mother said to you who loved God with all her heart, but she said something to you when you were a kid that really wounded you. Sometimes he points out something. No, I'm not offended at it. But why would he bring up somebody from four years ago that you don't even think about? Why? You have offense. Just bring that down just a little bit. It's a little loud. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Appreciate it. Many of you, the Lord showed somebody or revealed somebody. Many of you, the Lord showed more than one, two, three, some of you four or five that you just need to forgive. Some of you might need to just even repent just for even offhand comments that you made about the church or something that the Lord has just showed you it's not healthy. It's not life-giving. The Lord is showing you in some way you need to forgive or someone you have offense. I'm just going to count to three and I want you to stand where you are. There's, there's something significant about us just standing. It's a prophetic act. 
that there's this resolution in our heart, not only for that person, but for our life, that we will choose to properly deal with offense. If you're not sure, be sure. (laughs) Join us anyway. If you need to forgive somebody, you have offense. One, two, three, just stand on your feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of repentance. So I'm just going to lead you to prayer. And there's also something really powerful when we, uh, you don't have to scream it, but just say that person's name when it gets to that place. If it's more than one, we'll, we'll just give you some time to do that. Would you repeat this prayer and say, say it with some energy? There's power in confession. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for granting me the gift of repentance. Today, not in my own strength, but the strength you've given me, I choose. Now we're going to say forgive, and whoever that person is, when we say forgive, you just say their name. Nobody's listening. doesn't matter. I choose to forgive. Now, however it is, just say that person's name. Thank you, Lord. Mm, Thank you, Lord. Just say this. I release them to you. They owe me nothing. Even if they never apologize, I choose to forgive them. And Father, today, I bless them. Because you said to bless your enemies. You said to bless your enemies and pray for those who use you. So I pray that they would fulfill their destiny in you. Let me be blessed in every way, God, according to your will. With your help today, I'm free of offense. Give me the grace to properly navigate offense. Forgive me for any vows or judgments I've made through my mouth. I renounce them in Jesus' name. We declare that this church, Northwood Church, is your church. And in your church, there is unity. There is no offense. We declare in the name of Jesus that this will be an offense-free community. And we will not give in to the spirit of this region. that aligns with offense. Thank you, Lord, because it's your power that gives us the ability to do this. 
Mm. Mm. Something's happening there. Something good. Man, there's like an increase of the fire of God. Ah, it's in here. Woo. Mendirable Shahatanamaya. Hmm. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Whoa. Just receive his presence. Hmm. Increase your presence. I see what I believe is like a white angel, and he's like this cleansing presence. Whoa, that's come to this house today to just bring increased holiness, increased purity, increased righteousness. And it's like I see him, like you'd see like a, a stamp that you'd put on an envelope. It's like he's here to stamp you today. So if you want to receive that, one, two, three, just come forward. Just a stamp. Just a stamp of God. Yeah, just come. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands. He's the one who's going to touch you. And there's like, um, I don't know, like the only way I can put it like this wave of his fire just here. Thank you, Lord. 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 Lord, thank you for this ministering spirit that's in this room. Thank you for your power that's here. Lord, thank you that I just see like... Um, these stairs going into heaven. It's like the Lord is constantly wanting to bring Norfolk, just upgrade, upgrade, and today is another day of upgrade as you go up into the ladder of the things of God. And the Lord says, there's no, uh, there's no roadmap for where you're going except my voice. My voice and faith will take you there. Increase your presence, Lord. Just see like a, a wind coming from my right side and like a cloud of fire right over the top, right in the middle of us. So, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for that stamp of purity just coming upon people, Lord. Thank you for that stamp of purity. Even some of you, just as I pray for you, um, God's gonna just release some things off of you, some weights, some burdens from things you've been carrying. Father, I just believe that word over my life. I go around the world just laying hands upon people and releasing the glory of God. I see fire on some of your hands. I see Jesus just putting fire on your eyes. More, Lord. 
warlord. The Lord says he's going to fulfill the word of the Lord over this house. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Fire! Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Don't be nervous. I'm not a trained professional, but I stay at Holiday Inns. Thank you, Lord. There's a breath. A breath from heaven. Breath from heaven. Breath from heaven. Breath of heaven. Fire of God. Breath of heaven. And the Lord says over this house, I'm opening a new door for you today. A new door of my glory, a new door of my presence. The Lord says, your posture of your heart, the posture of your heart has been a sweet aroma to my heart. And so the Lord says, I'm giving you an increased understanding of my heart today. I bless the anointing for intercession on you. There's like a fire of an angel right on you. Thank you, Lord. Just take one step forward, if you would. The Lord says, daughter, I'm causing all things to work for your certain good, and I'm so pleased with you because you have had a guarded heart. There's been many opportunities to be offended, and I'm touching your... Jesus is like, there's a commissioning from Jesus today. He's touching your ears. He's touching your ears. He's touching your ears to hear the word of the Lord as never before. So I bless your ears. Bless your ears. Bless your ears. Kora masikana mahaya rabukaya. Kora mama mamaya rabukaya rabukaya. Just stay focused. Man, wonderful presence here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. See, like, um, you'd see, like, these, uh, when you're in a house, they have these little, like, it opens in the roof. It's like a little window from heaven's opening. And when that door opens, it's like to go into an attic, and it's like, comes down here in the sanctuary, and the Lord says, the heavens are opening over this house like never before. Thank you, Lord. I remember you guys from last year. You're married, right? Grab hands. That's not prophetic. I just know that. The Lord says he's very pleased with you guys. And I don't know your connection to this church, but the Lord wants to bring you here to redefine <coughs> the generations in both of your families. There is giftings inside of the both of you that you know not of, but they'll be called out in this house. You're a man who loves the word of God. You're a man of integrity. And you're a man who understands the heart of God. And Jesus is touching your ears today that you'll know his voice as never before. 
and he wants to put a fire on your mouth that you'll speak his ways. There's an evangelistic gift on your life. There's a gift of miracles on your life. And the Lord says, I'm going to give you grace to dig into the word as never before. And you'll see it in my word as never before. And as you see it, I want you to be like a Peter who begins to pursue the things in the word of God. It's really interesting. It's like normally when you see um, like a hand over a mouth, I see Jesus' hand over your mouth, but it's not a bad to shut it up. It's to put fire in it as never before. And I feel like one of the fruits of the testimony over your life is going to be, man, what happened to that guy? And um, Jesus is standing right behind you, and he's just taking off burdens, weights, worries, just things that have concerned you. God, what are we going to do about this? I'm not sure how that's going to work out. I'm kind of concerned with this about our children. The Lord says, you don't have to put that upon yourself. I can handle it for you. So I take that off of you. Take that yoke of worry and fear. And You know, sometimes as a man, we got to take care of this. We're the man in the house. The Lord says, I'm the king of your home. And I can help you. So in its place of worry, we just release peace right there. Peace. And there's something about the peace of God that he's given you as a gift today because he wants to teach you not just to receive his peace, but to learn how to live from a place of peace. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. (laughs) Don't let your heart be troubled, son. When I said that, I saw like a path. It's often like the path of our destiny, right? And he's already gone before you and he's made a way. And he said, you don't have to fear your future, son. I've gone before you. I just made you responsible to hear and to receive. Thank you, Lord. What's your name? Jackie. Jackie. Lift your hand because the Lord is really, your right hand, it was my right hand, your left. Just lift your hand because it's a prophetic act. More, Lord. It's really interesting. Jesus is breathing his peace upon you and he's delivering you from that thing of fear that tries to grab hold of your faith. And he says, I'm not, I'm doing it out of my kindness. He's not mad or angry. He's just like, daughter, I know your heart for me. And so I'm helping you. I break the, it's, um, there's, there's like a generational thing of fear. It runs in your family line. And it's like, you know, sometimes we just learn how to live with those things. I've walked through that. So I break you f- with the fear. Break fear off of you in Jesus' name. Break fear of what's going to happen to your children. Fear of this, fear of accidents, fear of finances. Break it off of you in Jesus' name. And I say, Jackie, you are free. Mama, she Because the Lord says you're a princess in his kingdom. You're a valued possession in his kingdom. And you haven't seen yourself like that. But the Lord says, I'm going to begin a work even today. And I see Jesus touching your heart. He's touching your heart. And he's just releasing his kindness and his love to you. And he's saying, you're worthy of love. You're worthy of love even when you fall short. You're worthy of love in every way. And I'm just ministering to you my love. 
And I'm gonna teach you how to walk from a place of love as never before, where I'm gonna open your ears to hear my voice, and I'm gonna put my voice in your voice, and it'll be a beautiful symphony. You have um, great favor with some women in this community, or spear of influence, I don't know it's exactly this community. And the Lord says, I'm gonna use you as a bridge to my heart in their life. And it's like, it's like a, you're very compassionate. You're very, you're very compassionate. Like you like care about people and they tell you their problems. You're like, well, yeah, you know, like the Lord is gonna make you greatly effective in not just hearing their problems and saying a little prayer, but you're gonna get to the root of it and get them free. But also the Lord says, keep in mind that when you start getting to the root of things, some of them might reject you because they don't wanna deal with their issues. But just know that I'm with you. You have a little boy, right? At least one little boy, right? How many children do you have? Just one? Just the one? One that's yours? The Lord wants you to know, Jackie, you're a real good mom. And the Lord says, if you want more kids, he'll give you more kids. I bless you guys today. I release the wind of God and the power of God to you. I bless you. There's like a divine alignment. There's seeds of divine alignment in your life today. And I bless you. Bless you. Thank you, Lord. Just keep receiving. There's like peace that God is like a... Breath of peace he's just releasing on you. Thank you, Lord. What's your name? Alicia. Lord, thank you for the prophetic gift on Alicia's life. Thank you for strengthening that. Jesus is touching your ears. Fire. Hey! Don't worry. I'm not a trained professional, but I stay at Holidays Inn. You know why the enemy's trying to get you a little worried about this whole thing? It's because you're supposed to be like Star Trek. You're supposed to go where no woman has ever gone before. So I bless you. Very powerful gifts of the Spirit flowing through your life. And there's an angel Lord just releasing fire right there in your heart. More. More. Jesus is touching your ears. He's giving you the ability to see beyond just the day-to-day thing. Sometimes, you know, that's okay if we start there. But the Lord says there's a prophetic nature to you where I want you to see five, six, seven, eight, ten years ahead. I bless you with that. More. More, Lord. 